0: 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 8, God get us to where you want us to be this morning. In the 1992 presidential campaign, former president Bill Clinton focused his campaign on this motto, and forgive me for using a word that I tell my kids not to use, but he said, it's the economy, stupid. Five years later, after publicly admitting to adultery in his own life, in a survey that was done, 71% of Americans begged to differ. They said that the U.S. is facing more of a moral crisis than an economic crisis. In fact, another study that was done around that time showed that 80% of Americans believe, 80% of Americans believe that immorality is our greatest problem as a nation. Now, I suppose that that should be encouraging, that the, the people of our great nation recognize that we as a people, and even as a world, we have a problem and it's not a new problem but it is a big problem and unfortunately instead of dealing with it many times it seems that we're moving more towards condoning it or at the very least ignoring it it's a struggle for young people and it's a struggle for adults it's a struggle for single people And it's a struggle for married persons. It's a struggle for men. And it's a struggle for women. It's an area that has been a challenge for us from the beginning of time. And today in our culture, those polls suggest, and I believe that I would affirm that it's one of the strongest pulls for our lives. It's one of the strongest pulls away from God's plan and purpose for our lives. And I believe that it's affecting many people's lives today, many Christians' lives today, and many families' today i want you to turn with me there to first thessalonians chapter 4 verses 3 through 8 in a book of the bible where the apostle paul now listen shares much of what we know about the second coming of jesus christ in chapter 4 we find some very practical teaching about the here and now you see now listen jesus is coming again one day amen jesus is returning one day he came once and just as sure as he came once he's coming again one day but until he does, he's left us here to live our lives, to fulfill his purpose for our lives and to help others find their purpose, his purpose for their lives. So that means it does matter. Are you listening to me, Christians? It does matter how we live our lives today, doesn't it? 1 John chapter 3, verse 3 uh, tells us like one author said, the hope that Christ has given us should have a purifying effect on our lives it should make a difference in our lives if we're looking forward to seeing our savior one day it should make a difference in how we live our lives this day now it may be that some of these christians were struggling with immorality which was rampant in their own culture or it might have been that because immorality was so rampant in their culture that it had such a presence and such an acceptance among the people that they were around That Paul sensed as God's servant, he was led to point it out to them specifically, to warn them about not getting trapped in it. But for whatever reason, God compelled the Apostle Paul to issue a call to them, and it's a call that I believe that we need to hear today. It's a call to purity. Today, we're having a special emphasis among our young people called True Love Waits. Some of you have heard of that emphasis before. It started about 13 years ago, and, and don't miss this. About 1 million young people, 1 million young people in the last 13 years have taken the challenge to remain sexually pure until marriage, as well as remaining sexually pure in marriage. Today, we're going to give our young people an opportunity to make a decision to, to make that commitment to Jesus Christ to say you are my savior and I want to give myself completely to you and this part of my life I commit to you, Lord Jesus. But may I say to you, church family, I believe that God wants to challenge all of us today in this area. That's why I want to talk about a call to purity in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3-8. through Let's read those verses first of all as we look at them. Paul says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification... That is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things, just as we also told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for the purpose of impurity, but in sanctification." then in verse 8 he says so he who rejects this is not rejecting man but the god who gives his holy spirit to you we want to look at three things in these verses today and the first one is found in verse 3 god wants you to be different god wants you and god wants me to be different let's look at verse 3 it says for this is the will of god this is god's will for you your sanctification. Now, in verses 1 through 2, Paul encouraged these young believers. He says, listen, you've grown so much in your walk with Jesus Christ, but he continues to challenge them. I challenge you to continue growing in that relationship. And in verse 3, he says, listen, I want to talk to you about your sanctification. I want to talk to you about your growth in Christ's likeness. What does sanctification mean? It means to be holy. What does holy mean? It means to be more and more set apart for God's purposes. Holiness just means that your life becomes more and more what God intended for your life to be. That is God's will for you. That is God's desire. That is God's plan for you. That's what he wants for us. That's what he calls us to. He wants us to be transformed. He wants us to be changed. Listen, he wants us to be different than the world around us. He wants us to be different than we used to be before we came to know him. And the particular area that God wanted them to be different in is that they should abstain from sexual immorality now that word sexual immorality comes from the word porneia. it's uh, as you can probably recognize where we get our english word pornography and it means any type of sexual sin what do i mean by that any sexual relationship outside of the lifelong commitment of one man and one woman in marriage as god's servant paul tells them stay away from anything short of that and the Bible tells us that consistently in the message of the Bible. We hear that message over and over again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, flee from immorality. Just run from it. You don't have to, uh, to ponder or to pause or to, or to think or to consider. Just get out of there, it says. The Bible says this is one sin that you can just turn tail and run. Just flee from it. Flee immorality. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 8 says, keep your way far from it. Do not go near it. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 12, we see a real life example. Many of you know the story of Joseph. What did Joseph do when Joseph got caught in that kind of situation? He fled. He just took off and ran. It scared him. He didn't want to get anywhere close to immorality. And so that we'll be clear about this, it's not just talking about physical proximity or location. The Bible really is talking about our heart it's talking about our desires it's saying don't let our heart go that route don't let our heart our desires start going down that path proverbs chapter 7 verse 25 let me read that verse to you proverbs 25 says do not let your heart turn aside to her ways it's talking about an adulteress do not stray into her path. it specifically says it's not just talking about your feet it's not just talking about your body it's saying don't allow your thoughts don't allow your desires to start going down that path now we don't have to think about it too long to realize that in a culture where so many people plunge into these kind of things and celebrate these kind of things us having this kind of an attitude would be different wouldn't it but that is what god has called us to young people and adults if you are a child of god god is calling you to be like jesus and in order to live like jesus has designed for you you must run from immorality now as i say that i realize that in a room this size in a group this size there are some of us here today that are getting dangerously listened to me friend some of us here and you know who you are i don't thank god but you know who you are today between you and god you're getting dangerously close you're flirting with danger you may not be there yet but that's where your heart is headed and my friend some of us here today some of us are already there aren't we i have to be god's servant to tell you that listen that is not the place that god wants you to be in listen you are not in a position to find god's will for your life many people say i want to know what god's will is for my life i want to know what that is and many times we just want to know okay lord that job opened up over at so and so do you want me to have that job or do you want me to have it at such and such lord do you want me to live in this town or do you want me to live in that town we want to know all those specifics but many times what god tells us his will is for us is to understand the principles that he's given us and to live by those principles and god says this is my will for you this is what i want for you this is how you will find my plan and purpose for your life stay away from this be different than the people around you god has reserved that relationship for a lifelong committed relationship between one man and one woman for life. Anything else will hurt us and, we'll see in just a moment, will hurt other people. God wants to give you different than the world is experiencing. Aren't you glad for that? God wants to give you different than that. How many of us know people today who are hurting? How many of us know people who have been beat up because of this very Area. Proverbs chapter 5, verses 3 through 14 tells us that God wants to keep us. Go back, please, and read Proverbs chapter 5. Read the whole chapter there. In fact, I prayed about whether to, to share with you today from 1 Thessalonians or from Proverbs chapter 5, because Proverbs Proverbs 5 is a powerful passage to warn us against this and to give us God's direction. But you see, the thing that we find out in Proverbs 5 is that yes, God wants to keep us from pain. But in verses 15 through 20, we find out that God wants to give us a blessing in this area. God's not wanting to rip the rug out of fun and relationships and all the, the beautiful things that we can enjoy that he's created for us. He's not wanting to do that, but he wants to give it to us in a way that it works, that it can be meaningful and beneficial and a blessing to our lives. God is calling us to purity in a world that is so immersed in immorality This kind of an attitude would be different, wouldn't it, young people? Wouldn't it, young people? Those of you that are in high school, those of you that are in college, this is totally antithetical to the way that most people that we're around are going to think today. And so we need God's Word on this, and God is calling us to be different. It's going to make you look old-fashioned. It's going to make you look all sweet and innocent. That's what people are going to call you. But God wants to put you in a position to find His will for your life. Do you wonder what God's will is for you, young person? God is telling you right here. You're looking for God's will for your life. He's telling you, I want you to stay completely away from immorality. But number two, God wants your body to be special. In verses four through five, he says that each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God do you know what god has designed our bodies for you know what he's designed them for he has designed them to be temples to be temples of the living god god wants to live in your body god wants to shine forth through your body first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 and 20 says or do you not know paul says i think you do but i want to remind you corinthians because they had immorality in their church he says or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from God, and that you are not, what? You're not your own. It's not your body anymore, is it? It's God's body if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. For you have been bought with a price. And may I add there, an extremely high price. Amen. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Use your body in a way that brings honor to God. But the enemy, the devil, he wants our bodies to be diseased, to be abused, to be destroyed, to be torn apart by drugs and alcohol and immorality or whatever it might be. The Bible tells us in John ten ten, Jesus, my friend, gave us life. He wants to give us life that is just spilling over. God wants you to have a great life, but the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy our lives. That's his plan for your life. That's what he wants to trick you into doing. And through the, ev- uh, through the influence of evolutionary thought, We've been conditioned to believe that we're only animals. And like animals, like other animals, we have natural instincts. And and bless our hearts, we can't control ourselves. According to these verses, you and I are not just any animal. We are the special creation of God. And God wants us to grab hold of our lives, to possess our lives, to have control over our own vessel, our own body that God's given us in sanctification and honor now what does that mean i believe that it probably means this god wants you to have control over your body not for it to have control over you he wants you to experience a blessed life in your body not for you and i to be driven or controlled by the passions and desires that the world has now i think we've lost much of this idea of our body being special in our world today listen as our world becomes has it not become more and more crude in our conversation in our behavior i'm telling you what uh you know i'd like to extend my cable stations on my tv so i could get some outdoor channels i mean i like to watch some things on the outdoor network i'd like to watch espn every once in a while i'd like to watch the weather channel every once in a while but i just can't make sense out of providing more opportunity for my kids to see junk Now, I'm not saying it's wrong for you to have extended cable, okay? Don't quote me as that. But I'm just saying what we see on TV, what we see in culture, you can't even ride down the the road and look at billboards sometimes because it's just in our faces. We've lost the dignity. We've lost the specialness of the human body and the way that it should be treated. Remember what I said a moment ago? God intends for your body to be a temple, a special place, For him to shine forth from let me ask you a question would you ever on a saturday night before we worship the lord here on sunday would you ever break into this building and spray obscenities with spray paint all over the wall i mean you'd say i would never in a million years do that robbie there's no way that i would profane god's house well i to tell you something we meet here and i thank god for a place to meet but this ain't god's house This is God's house. I'm not encouraging spray paint, all right? Let's not be doing any of that. But this isn't God's house. This is God's house. God wants this to be the thing that I could not imagine obscenities or or vulgarities or, or profanities or anything that would not bring honor to God to happen in this place. This is the true temple of the Holy Spirit. By the way, I think this is a great point to bring up a topic that, to be honest with you, I hesitate to bring up because i don't want to be seen as legalistic in other words giving you specific lists of do's and don'ts that you have to do or not do to make god happy because that's not what we're intending to talk about here however at the risk of maybe some of us under misunderstanding in that kind of way i'm responsible for teaching you principles from god's word and the area that i want to challenge us to think about here is our dress i don't think that many christians think about this it applies to men, and it applies to women. But may I just especially challenge the ladies here. I think it applies to both of us. But ladies, I want to challenge you to realize about your Christian brothers, about about guys out in the world. Ladies in this area are more touch-oriented. Guys in this area are more visual-oriented. And so we need to think about these things. If our bodies are the temple of the living God, we need to be very careful that we're not intending to draw the wrong kind of attention to those bodies. Now ladies and guys, that's not to say look homely, okay? Some Christians have taken that kind of instruction or taken that kind of understanding of God's word and they've taken that route. I'm just supposed to look homely. I want to tell you, I think that probably doesn't honor God, okay? <laughs> so let's look nice. Let's if we're going to if we're going to have a temple, let's make it look like a nice temple. We shouldn't be unkept. However, our body should be seen as special and we should not desire to draw certain kinds of attention to ourselves from others unless it's our spouse that is the appropriate person to draw the attention in that kind of way from unfortunately sometimes and may I maybe even say many times we find this in churches just as much as we do in the world it's something that men and women we all need to think about but do you hear the bigger principle it's not about clothing it's a call to purity God wants our bodies to be special whether it's what we wear or whether it's what we do with our actions God doesn't want our body to be a part of the inappropriate lustful passions of this world he wants it to be a vessel that can be used for likeness and for honor he wants it to be a beautiful picture of what he would do if he were in control of this body that's what other what ought to draw other people's attention amen people ought to look at my life and say what a great god that guy serves that's what ought to be paid attention to in my lives but number three in verse six god wants us to respect others god wants us to be different God wants our bodies to be special, but the call to purity also reminds us that God wants us to respect others. In verse 6, he says this, and that no man transgress and defraud his brother in the matter. Now, I think what's brought out here is something that we don't think about very often. We realize, as we've talked about already, that not living in purity affects us, doesn't it? And it has something to say and to do with our relationship with God. But we don't always think about what it does to others. It says in verse 4 that no man, or actually it just says there, no one or none of you transgress or defraud his brother in this matter. Now I want you to pay attention to those two words, transgress and defraud. Transgress means to overreach. It means to go beyond. It means to step over a boundary. Now listen, the sense here is one of crossing into a forbidden place of someone trespassing on territory which is not their own. The word defraud means to have more or a greater part or a bigger share than you're supposed to, to gain or take advantage over another, to overreach beyond what you're supposed to have. Now, before we go too much farther with this, I need to point out to you that some people take the wording in verse 4 about the vessel to be referring to a wife and the wording here that says don't transgress or defraud a brother as speaking directly to men in other words what they take it as saying is have your own wife in a marriage relationship that god has given you and don't do a brother wrong by having a relationship with his wife now i believe that what it's talking about here is not a wife but it's talking about your body and i believe what it's talking about here from the context is that person that's transgressed or defrauded is the person that you're immoral with And here's what I believe God's saying to us. And this is very important. When you are in an immoral relationship, when you're in a relationship like this, outside of a man and a woman committed for life and marriage, you and I are overreaching. We are stepping over a boundary that we should not. We are in a territory, listen, friend, that we have no permission to be in. We're enjoying a greater part then we should in other words let's just come out and say it we're trespassing and stealing amen that's what the bible's saying whether it's living together or any other premarital relationship whether it's homosexuality whether it's looking at inappropriate images i and you have no right to be there and listen even if that other person acts like they don't care god sees that you're showing them disrespect god sees that you're taking advantage of a situation that you should not and according to these verses he takes that very seriously let me give you an example of this if you knew that somebody kept their doors unlocked and if you knew that they didn't watch their house very closely for long periods of time even if they put a sign on their door and said it's okay you can come in and take whatever you want anytime you want Would that make entering their home okay? Would that make stealing their TV and their VCR okay? No. Just because you have permission from somebody else doesn't mean it's right for you to take what's rightfully someone else's. The only right that we have to have this kind of relationship with another person is if we're committed for life between a man and a woman in marriage. Otherwise, the Bible says that relationship is off limits to us. We have no right to look at another person to think about them in our own mind or to actually participate in that kind of relationship guys young men when you go out on a date would you think to yourself this lady will one day be someone else's wife possibly she may be mine she may be someone else's right now i have no right to treat her like my wife girls same for you when you go out on a date would you think to yourself this guy will one day be someone's husband i have no right right now to treat him like mine adults the reason that young people don't fear these boundaries the reason that young people don't respect others this much is because they haven't seen it in us amen or oh me the other day i took my children out hiking in the woods And uh, we were in a new place that I'd never been to before. And we walked up on what I thought was a house. And I can guarantee you, if you ask my kids, they would borderline on saying that Daddy was scared. Now, they wouldn't say I was scared because I wasn't scared. But they can tell you that I got antsy. Because I knew, uh uh-oh, we ended up somewhere that we shouldn't be. This is potentially somebody else's property. And they can tell you that as soon as I realized that, I said let's go we're backtracking we're getting out of here my friends i hope that my children learned: if we don't have the right to be on someone else's property then we need to get off of it as soon as we figure out that we're not supposed to be there amen listen the same thing goes in this area men would you teach your boys ladies would you teach your young ladies that that's trespassing we need to respect the rights of others we need to respect And honor others in this way. God is calling us as Christians to purity. Whether we're yet to be married, whether we will never be married, or whether we're married right now, the crass way that our world deals with this area can sometimes begin to influence the way we think and act, doesn't it? It can make us begin to let our guard down. Is God speaking to you? Is He calling you to purity? Young men, do you want to be a real man? do you want to have real courage and real guts then treat a young lady like a lady men will you treat your wife like the delicate precious gift that god has given to you will you reserve this part of your heart only for her young women and ladies would you do the same thing that i'm calling them into impurity sexual immorality is an epidemic among god's people My friend, can I ask you a question? Would you be willing to make a commitment today that I want to be so squeaky clean in my life (laughs) that there is no doubt about me? There is no doubt that I want to be different. There is no doubt that I want my body to be special for God. There is no doubt that I respect others in this way. Some of us today need cleansing, don't we? You know what's the good thing about God's Word? God tells us today is the day of rescue. Today is the day of salvation. You know what? As I said earlier, in a room this size, there are many of us who have failed in this area. But God is calling you from this day forward. Will you turn to him and say, Dear God, I've blown it. I either knew it and I outright rebelled, or God, I just didn't realize it and I've gone too far. But God, I want to stop it right now. And from this day forward, I want to make a commitment to you. I want to make a commitment to my future spouse or to my spouse right now. I want to make a commitment to myself. Maybe even I need to make a commitment before my church family that I want to be the person that you've called me to be in this area. Some of us here today have never accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. My friend, can I just share with you, you can try, you can try, you can try, but if you don't have Christ as your Savior, you don't have the power to do this. (laughs) You may not even have the desire to do it. If you have the desire, it's because God's working in your heart, but you don't have the ability to do it. We need God to give us the desire, and we need Him to give us the ability. Today, would you give your life to Jesus Christ? It does not matter how far your life has gone if you will turn to Jesus Christ today. He will wash you. He will cleanse you. The Bible says, come now, let us reason together. Let's talk about this thing. That's what Jesus says. Come on, let's talk about it. Let's sit down and talk about your situation. Though your sins be as scarlet, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18 says, they shall be as white as snow. Is it possible, my friend, today that God could give you purity again? Absolutely. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. Young people, I said earlier, since the early 1990s, over one million of your peers have made this commitment. Believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, to myself, to my family, my friends, my future mate, and my future children to be sexually abstinent from this day until the day I enter a biblical marriage relationship. And actually, it's been revised since then to this. Believing that true love waits, I make a commitment to God, myself, my family, my friends, my future mate, and my children, my future children, to a lifetime of purity, including sexual abstinence from this day until the day I enter a biblical marriage relationship. Young people today, we want to give you an opportunity to draw a line in the sand. Today, as Jeff and I were praying before the service, I said, God, thank you, thank you, that one day some of these young people, when they enter into that marriage relationship, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years from now, they're going to look back on this day and thank God that they made a commitment. Young people, is this the day for you? Are you willing to say, I don't care who else makes a commitment, I will make that commitment. Here's what, here's how we're going to give you that opportunity this morning. We're going to invite some of your youth leaders to come forward, and if you want to come for prayer. If you want to come to make a commitment, if you want to talk to somebody, if you want somebody to pray with you, we're going to, we're going to have an opportunity for you to you can come pray with your pastor. You can come pray with some of your youth leaders. As soon as the invitation starts, I want to invite the youth leaders, men and women, to come forward and just stand out front on either side with me. We're also going to provide a commitment card. And I want to share with you, many churches do that publicly. And we prayed about this. We thought about this. But you know what? We asked the Lord and we believe that God spoke to us that this commitment is going to be between you and him and your parents on that commitment card it's going to say that i make this commitment that i just read to you and on the back of that card it's going to say that your parents are going to do everything they can to support you and to help you in that commitment and so what we're going to challenge you to do after this service is over is to take one of those commitment cards on the back table to take it home to talk to your parents about that to pray to ask god to help you both to make that commitment that you will stand strong and that they will help you to stand strong in fact i want to share with you for some of you you may even want to get a ring there's true love waits ring so that you can say you know what until i get married one day i just want there to be a visible reminder that i've given my heart to jesus and that i'm saving this part of my life for my future spouse isn't this a great thing this morning church family for us to support these young people what pressures what difficulty they go through day in and day out it's not all reading writing and arithmetic at school They're facing challenges that we never faced. To some degree, maybe we did, but the pressures continue getting stronger. Would you stand with them? Would you pray with them? Would you encourage them today? And may I just say, church family, how on earth could they possibly make these commitments if they've never seen any adults who are willing to take a stand and say, I love my family, I love my wife, i love my children i love my church i love my god too much to continue on the path that i'm going i'm not only uh, in my heart there but i've actually gone there i've actually taken my life in that direction or maybe you're here today and you say i'm not in that direction yet but in my heart that's where i'm headed dear god help me today would, would you come forward for prayer for somebody to pray with you And just because you come forward for prayer doesn't mean you're struggling necessarily in this area. There may be something else that God's speaking in your heart about today, but a loving God who is reaching out to us in this particular area saying how much he loves you today. That He gave his life so that whether it's in this area or any other area or a thousand others, that he could cleanse you and wash you and give you a relationship with him today if you'll just receive that gift. My friend, today the offer is to us. Will you receive? the gift that God's wanting to offer. Will you make a commitment to Him? Do you need to make a commitment before others today? As God speaks to your heart, you answer and you obey.